Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Today we're in a wonderful book called Under His Influence, The Yielding Yielding to the Work of the Holy Spirit by Pastor Lloyd Pulley out of Calvary Chapel Old Bridge in New Jersey. Uh, great book, still available on Amazon and most Christian bookstores you can find. It has wonderful study questions at the end of it. So if you're doing it in a small group or even like we did, we did it as a summer series for our church and it worked out really well and uh, really sparked a lot of conversations, great conversations about the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that happens to us as a follower of Christ and, and who the Holy Spirit is. So in this chapter, we're actually going to be continuing chapter 4 as we look at the torrents of living water. Here is the second half and conclusion of this two-part study. And see, most people would have said what? And he had people tell him this in the church. What are you doing? Why are you going to Jersey? You got a ministry here. But it's a call that God puts on our life. We have a purpose and a choice that we have to make when that, that is placed on our hearts to do. And so we step out in faith with the Word of God. And, and one of the things that I love is he, he stepped out in faith with the Word of God. He left the fellowship and his friends behind. And, and through that process, God would go with them, guiding them and strengthening them. And did he have the whole picture? No. If you had the whole picture of what God was going to do with your life, you wouldn't do it. Because there would be something in there that you go, I ain't doing that. In John 7, verse 38, it says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water couple things that are very important when you read that verse is you have to go to who Jesus if anyone's thirsty let them come to me and then you have to believe in them and that Greek word that that is used there is translated in, in the Greek is for rivers is actually torrents or floods let me tell you it's it's when you decide to to answer the calling that you have on your life for what God is calling you to do it's not easy there are gonna be times when you're in the desert and you're going to see nothing but scorched earth around you. But you focus on Christ. And not the, the circumstances going on around you. You give that overall to God. But I love that it's an abundance of flowing water. And he's not talking about some little slow moving quiet brook. He's talking about a powerful river. Almost overflowing its banks. So out of the heart, the innermost being of all who come to Jesus 
will gush forth a mighty rushing river of life-giving sustenance, filling their lives and stilling over unto the lives of others as well. There's only one place, one oasis for, for those that are spiritually in the desert. And if you're spiritually part, uh, parched, then your, your place to go is to Jesus. If you're dying for, for water, that's where you go. So water for drinking is one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. We talked about that, but it's also one of the symbols for the Word of God. And, and we talked about this this past weekend. There is such a biblical illiteracy in, in the nation right now. Um, people just don't read the Word of God. They don't spend time in it. And, and they're expecting to grow, and they don't spend time in God's Word. They're dry. They're thirsty. And that's why they get tossed around to and throw. You know that bill we talked about this weekend in Kansas? They ended up saying no to the bill. So they're going to continue doing abortions in, in Kansas. And, and, and again, how many 30 pastors, reverends, and priests that said, hey, don't allow it to continue to happen. This is what happens when we are interpreting the Bible the way we want to interpret it and not the way that God has given it to us in the context of Scripture. See, water, water is, a, the, is the thing that brings and satisfies the thirst, but it also helps produce the fruitfulness of the Spirit that we need. If we believe in Jesus, it is not what we gain, but what, we, what He pours through us that He really counts. God's purpose is not simply to make us beautiful, plump grapes, but to make us grapes so that He may squeeze the sweetness out of us and our spiritual life cannot be measured by success as the world measures it, but only by what God pours through us, and we cannot measure that at all. And that's a quote from Oswald Chambers. You know, if we were to that illustration of being, you know, plump grapes, would you be bitter or sweet? You know, if we were to, to squeeze, the, squeeze the grape, would it come out bitter or would it come out sweet? You know, at the end of the day, all you're going to do with a bitter grape is spit it right back out, right? And, and so real, realistically, what we need to be doing is we, we walk in the Spirit, and the Lord blesses that. But it also blesses others when we're being obedient to God. There's a blessing that happens automatically. It's like when we repent, there's blessing because you've repented. You've walked away from the sin. There's a blessing that comes from that out of obedience but when we're having all this sin in our life what we end up doing is anything squeezing out of us is going to be bitter and and we need to deal with that and i love what he said here he said that some would rather be ponds than than rivers like some of you would just all accum accumulate all of god's blessing for our lives but we are reluctant to let our uh let him use our lives as channels of blessings to others like you want to remain a pond I, I really don't want to get involved in that. Even though God has called you to go do that. I don't want to do that. Trust me, let me tell you something. There are always things as a pastor that we do that there are always going to be, well, why are you doing that? It's because this is what God has given me to do. I'm going to be faithful to that with the hopes that it's going to be a blessing to others as we step out in faith to do it. I don't want to be a pond, and I don't want the church to be a pond. Meaning that we're stagnant, that we only stick with each other. We're supposed to be river, or rivers uh, of life, of torrent, 
river flowing through Divine and into Natalia and Lytle and Yancey and Hondo and all these areas. It's like we should be, we don't want to be stagnant water. And we definitely don't want to be drinking out of it either. Because eventually if you're stagnant, everything dies. There's no, you know, you look at these ponds that are out here. If there's no circulation of oxygen within the pond, the, the pond dies. It's overtaken by brush or, or, you know, vegetation within the pond. It needs some type of oxygen so life can be sustained in it. So how would you describe your Christian life today? Would you say you're, it is fresh, a life-sustaining environment or a stagnant pond? Are there torrents of living water overflowing your life? Or has your life become a dry desert? So if Jesus tells me he can make my life a, a, a river of living water, why are there so many thirsty people in the church? Because they look to us. That's the, that's the craziest thing. It's like they're, your life is on display all the time uh, because they, they know you're a follower of Christ. It's, it, you know, at the end of the day, we have, to, we have to be able to take those steps of faith. Um, and, and, and be willing to do it. I think some of the times when we, he gives two examples of things that can cause spiritual dryness. One is anxiety, and the other, uh, the other is uh, guilt. But I was like, there's a whole list of things you could list that cause spiritual dryness. Those are just two of the main ones. Um, and anxiety gets a lot of people. I love the way he said it. He says, most days we have things wired our lives are under control. And we are not out, outwardly anxious about anything, but when we lie down, we find no rest at all. The issues of life flood through our minds. Our soul grows restless and anxious, thirst, uh, anxious thirsty for God and the peace rest in the purpose that only He can impart. So when you lay down at night, is that when everything starts to flood in? And to understand the only peace that we can find is through Christ. And that verse that we always give at funerals, and I don't know why we don't use it for other times, is when we tell people we'll pray for you. And it's in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, which will, uh, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you realize that word anxious in, in the Greek means to be pulled in different directions? Do not be anxious. So he's saying, do not be pulled in different directions, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. So instead of allowing your mind to go a thousand miles a minute, Stop and pray. Don't allow the enemy to pull your mind in 50, 60 different directions, right? And so if you think about it, your hope can go in one direction, your fear goes in the opposite, and then you're pulled apart. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. That Greek word is, is casting is, is actually a word that means to roll something that will most likely roll back upon you. Have you found out that after casting your cares on the Lord, you feel okay for a day or two, but then the burdens roll back on you? If so, know that's 
That's the way of the Lord. Why? He wants us to stay close to, uh, to Him and to stick with Him. If we cast our cares upon Him, we never feel the pressure, the anxiety, the tension, the worry. We will uh, not be people. We need to be people that would pray. See, the Father wants us to do something bigger than merely just take our burdens from us. He wants to develop a relationship with us. And so the burdens and struggles that repeatedly roll upon you become linked to Him through what? Continual prayer. And the solution for which we were praying in the first place, so cast your care upon Him and keep doing it over and over and over again knowing how deeply He cares for you and He hears you. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30 says, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Some of you are carrying things you shouldn't be carrying, and you've got to give them over to God, and it's causing anxiety. It's causing stress. You need to turn those things over to the Lord. The other thing he talks about is guilt. And guilt can weigh on a soul. Uh, especially, you know, one of the things I love is like I came in Friday night to the youth retreat and the kids were barely singing, including the worship team. It's not like a mouse that was, I was like, can you turn her up? It was maxed out. I don't know if she got nervous in front of everybody or what happened, but it was like there was a reservation of pouring out. Um, and then they they shared their testimonies, and then they did an altar call, and then they asked, and that's when they started asking for prayer, and they started going over things, and like I said, for those next three hours, they prayed over those kids, until every child, every youth, I'm sorry, I got to say youth, I'm sorry, youth, young adult, <laughs> every one of them got prayed over that wanted prayer. And, um, and, and it was, what you see is, is the guilt of some of the stuff that they're dealing with, you know. Um, every retreat, there's going to be a, some young, young man or young woman who's dealing with pornography. There's going to be, uh, you know, someone that's, that's dealing with some type of guilt. Um, different things that come up that that our young adults are are going through but they set that on the altar and ask for repentance and that guilt is removed as far as the east is to the to the west right it's cast away that sin is gone god forgives we come in on saturday morning and i hear the worship as we're driving in those kids were singing that guilt and the things that they had been carrying got laid down that weight that burden they had was done and they were worshiping god and that happens at almost at every retreat i've seen it at the men's retreat like the guys are dealing with stuff and man once they lay that stuff at the altar they give that stuff over to god it's like man there's just this boldness of worship that happens because we we're letting go of that guilt and sometimes when we're when we're dealing with things that are going on that are sinful it creates anxiety in our life. That's why he listed those two. They kind of pair up together. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, it says, Let us draw near with true heart and full assurance of our faith, 
with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with what? Pure water. The water also cleanses us. And we draw near with a, with a true heart and full assurance. I mean, God knows our issue before we ever bring it to Him. We're not hiding it from Him. So that guilt, that anxiety is, is uh, truly going to quench a thirsty soul when you turn it over to the Lord. It creates that dryness in your life, that desert that happens because of that guilt. And Chuck Smith said this. He said, when Jesus said, if any man thirsts, he's referring to the deep, universal thirst of man's spirit for God. It's interesting to me that some psych- psychology textbooks identify frustration as one of the root causes of neurotic behavior. They declare that a person's problems, uh, problem often begins with frustration, that feeling that you may have not attain what life is all about and there must be more to life than what you've experienced but what is it and how do i attain it it is reaching out for something i am not sure of and finding what i'm hoping for what is the frustration but thirst spiritual thirst that deep thirst in man's spirit for god so that's one of the questions we have have you become spiritually dry have you been drinking from the wrong fountain you know, God provides our essentials, and, and when we think about it, our, our physical needs and our emotional needs, and we spend all of our time seeking out passions that we have in our lives to, to fulfill those. Uh, however, we love security. We love having food and water and clothing and all the necessary things in life. But even when we have everything that we ever wanted, there's still that need that can't be filled but by God. I've seen multiple met guys that are now Christians, that are now followers of God, that had everything. Everything. The house, the cars, the money, the rock style life. Everything that you could ever imagine that you think you want. Even children. And yet they weren't satisfied. They were still thirsty for something. And it was God. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 25-34, through 34, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not your life more than food, and the body more than clothing. Again, that word anxious. You're going to allow those things to pull you in different directions and that you're worried about in your life. And he goes on to say, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of value than they? We live in Texas. There's no water right now. And yet those birds are surviving. Right? We see birds all the time. And I can't figure out. I'm like, how in the world are they surviving in this heat? God provides for them. He feeds them. He says, hey, are you not more valued than they? And which of you by anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? Lord knows some of us have allowed our, our anxiety to worry about things, to... We spend more time doing that than we do trying to live our lives. What if this happens or what if that happens? Or, you know, it's like we, we play the what if, what if, could have, should have game. And we don't need to do that. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Think about the blue bonnets in Texas. They just show up, right? You know about what time of year they're going to show up. This year they came a little early. Or were they late this year? 
I forget what year they were. They were late this year, it seemed like, or was it early? I'm trying to think because the last two years had been a little different. But they just show up. They just appear. And they neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Solomon had everything. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not more, much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious about what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear. For the Gentiles seek after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And I, I, I think if more people could actually focus on today and not be worried about yesterday or 10 years from last year or 15 years ago, focus on what you're going to do today. Not be focused or worried about what's going to happen next week or three weeks from now. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. He's going to tell you you're going to have some kind of thing that's going to be troubling in your day. Every one of us will have something in our day where we go, man, I had a bunch of them yesterday. It was like just one after the other. And I knew that was going to happen because the enemy always does that right after a retreat. To try to get me to get upset or be mad at somebody or let that flesh come out when you're dog tired and not today satan i'm not doing it and i, I was telling court right before we got on got got busy here i was like i think my day finally ended at 10 o'clock when i put my head on the pillow and that's finally when the trouble stopped and i prayed with Teresa. she started snoring and i kept praying because she she tapped out she was like i can't do anything you get tired of my voice. Just imagine her. She has to deal with it all the time. Um, but it was a long day. And as I was preparing this, I was like, yeah, yesterday I had a lot of trouble. Sufficient was that day. Right? And praise God, today was a lot easier. It was a little little peaceful today. Quiet. I had time to study. And I was telling them, my kids broke. I had five, I got, you know, I got five adult kids now. And in my lifetime, my lifetime... I'm an old guy, 50-something years old. I've never broken a toilet. I come back from the retreat, and I got a broken toilet. Like, it's cra the porcelain's cra I'm like, what happened? And my, my day was sufficient in its own trouble because we had to go buy a run to Lowe's and go get a toilet. And, and I was just like, I wasn't thinking about today. I was busy dealing with all the stuff for that day. So that's really important for us. It's like, look, you can't fix the past. You can only do what God has given you today. You can, you can say, I'm sorry. You can ask for forgiveness. But your actions and the way that you love people, and we'll talk about that this weekend because we're going to be in Mark 12, 28 through 34. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So we're going to talk about love this weekend and, and really the thing that I, I can tell you sorry if I hurt you but what's going to really show it is my actions and how I how I am around you and that's that's m the most important thing so really we can't fix what happened yesterday but we can focus on today I can be loving today you know I, I 
I messed up yesterday. I can be loving today. I need to ask God for to fill me with those living torrents. First question you have to ask yourself, if your flesh comes out, you go, am I spiritually dry? Have I been in the Word? Have I been, you know, where am I at? What's going on? And sometimes we allow that anxiety or the guilt that stuff is happening. It's funny because we, as parents, I can remember as a parent not spending time with my kids and feeling guilty, so I would buy them stuff to make up for the time I didn't spend with them. And that didn't do anything but make them spoiled rotten, you know? And then they learned how to manipulate Dad, you know? And, it, and it's just a reminder to us, like, we can have all this anxiety, but I can't, my time is more important with them than stuff. And the way that I, I treat people in my day, I want, I, I want people to know again, like we talked about last week, if, they, if, you, if you were on trial, would they know that you're a Christian? We want people to know that. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio, pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. Uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light and you'll find it. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed today's broadcast. If you'd like to give to this ministry, uh, what I would always suggest is give to this radio station. It's because of this radio station that we have great expository teachers uh, for you, and I would say uh, make that donation to them. I hope that you have a wonderful, wonderful day. God bless you. Remember, you can find us at calvarydivine.org. calvarydivine.org. God bless you.